welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to preach fast if you listen fast. Amen. I'm honored to thank you all so much for the opportunity to come. Reverend Michelle, thank you for this weekend. Appreciate it. It was a great opportunity. Praise the Lord. After I'm done, I'm going to ask Robert to come up and do a special. I told you I'd get you, wouldn't I? I want to minister a message this morning, and I want, I want to start out with this. How many knows that God created man in his, they said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, create man in our image and after our likeness. And before we get into this message in Romans chapter 12, I want to uh, share this with you. The word image is the essential nature of God received through the new birth. Did you hear that? So when you get born again, I don't care what you feel like or how much of a fellow you are, what your past is dictating you and what your mind is trying to tell you, before you get your mind renewed, always look in the mirror and realize what you see is only a reflection, but that's not the image that you were created after. You were created after his image, in his image, amen? So that's the essential nature of God received through the new birth. In his likeness, the person who, received, who is born again is reflecting this image through their lifestyle. Let's say it again. Image is the essential nature of God received through the new birth. How many knows when you get born again, you become partakers of his divine nature? Amen? In his likeness is the person who is born again is reflecting this image through their lifestyle. And lifestyle is a pattern of, um, of living, which actually should be reflected through victory. Amen? Doesn't mean that you and I are not going to have problems and different things like that. But you got to get the mindset to know this, that Satan may know your name and he'll call you by your sin, but Jesus knows your sin but calls you by your name. Amen. Satan knows your name but calls you by your sin, but Jesus knows your sin but calls you by your name. So I want to get into Romans chapter 12 here, and I want to minister a message that's been on my heart because I believe we're living in a time now that if we don't watch it, we can get back into the conformity, whether we have become retired or we got our first job or maybe we've just moved from home or whatever it might be. If you don't watch it, you, you, you're going to have three things. Brother Hagin said three things that will affect the anointing. The anointing is something you have. You don't have to ask for it. A lot of times, if you don't renew your mind, you'll start asking for things you already have and try to become somebody you already are. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. You've got to walk in the fullness of it. It doesn't matter what your past is. God has already taken care of what you need. You've got to present your body, renew your mind. Why? Because God is wanting to do something not just in you, to you, but in you for the people around you most of the time. Amen? He wants you to become a living representation of who he is. Instead of learning to witness, you become a witness. It's easy to tell people who you are and what you got and where you go to church. But it's another thing when they tell you who you are and what you got and you follow the church. He said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. And a nutshell is this. When you got born again, you become the thermostat in the earth. You're going to have days of heaven up on earth. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not something because somebody did it and it's a popular prayer. You literally are praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So when you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body. One, one study said, if I have to get down in front of you and beg you, I'm asking you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, how many of you here came this morning without your bodies? Okay, I just want to make sure. You, you are presenting yourself 
your body right now as a spiritual worship unto God. Amen? Verse 2, be not conformed. What's Is that me? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> if we was in Jerusalem, I'd call you rabbi. Now, notice the second and the third word. And what? Be not. Conform to this world, but what's the next word? Be ye transformed or changed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Now, I'm getting somewhere with this. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So when you start getting into this, you start finding out that there's things in the Bible that when I started studying this, because Paul said, this is so important. If I have to, I'll get down and beg you with all the mercies of God that you would present your bodies and renew your minds. But most important is this, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? He gives you the answer, by the renewing of your mind. See, your mind stays renewed about as long as your hair stays combed. Amen? So let me read a couple of things to you here. Now, we're supposed to be certain things, and there are certain things we be not. Don't focus on what you can't do. Don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. So don't really focus on the be not so much as the bees, because you overcome evil by doing good. Now, watch this. It says, be not drunk with wine, for therein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be Ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding to the work of the Lord. Be ye holy. Be not afraid. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be ye willing and obedient. Preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, I looked up the word be, and it means to be. It's real simple. In other words, being is authentic. If you're being something, that means you're not have a form of acting. You're not portraying something. In other words, acting is temporary. It is a performance. But when you choose by an act of your will to be something, now you're becoming authentic because why? You may do something that might not be totally correct, but if you're going to be there, you're going to be all there. You're not going to be back and forth. You're not going to try to be one thing here and one thing here. Peter got rebuked for being that. You see, compromise is accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. But if you look up the word improvise, it's totally different than the word compromise. Compromise, if you look it up, uh, is what I just said. It accepts standards that are lower than desirable. But improvise means to create or perform spontaneously without preparation. Or in other words, it produce or make something from whatever is there at that moment. What that means is you don't become fake. You just say, okay, what do I have to work with here right now to where I can stay in my authentic, it's a big word, authenticness. I probably could say it in the Greek better, amen? But what I'm saying is, is if you're going to be who you are, be there. Be the real. Don't, don't be a phony. Don't be like the world. Don't try to be acceptable all the time. Learn to say no without feeling guilty about it. No is a complete sentence. Stand, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Amen? So when you get into the scriptures, you start realizing each and every person has a different responsibility. But the thing is, is we all have a responsibility. Ephesians 4, 16 says, according to the proper working of each individual part. You got to take care of you. Don't sit back and say, well, nobody else is doing it. Well, now you're conforming. He said, don't do that. So 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved. Why? Because you got to know how to renew your own mind. I can't get in your mind. And whatever you do, don't let the devil live rent-free in your mind. You got to renew your mind. A lot of people renew their mind, but then they don't act on the knowledge or the revelation their mind's been renewed to. So they just become a smart Christian without any works. A work is just an action. A fruit is a result of the action. People say, well, I'm under grace. Well, I am too, but you got saved by grace. But now you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, born anew that you may do those good works which he preordained that you should walk in them, living the good life. There was not one work you could do to get born again. It was your confidence and trust called faith in his ability or grace. Your grace is insufficient, but his grace is sufficient. And the moment that you got born again, that grace now empowers you to go and do any work that he's called you to do. And one work is this, renew your mind. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You cannot believe past what you don't know. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So another one where it says study to show yourself approved, it says know what his word says and means. In other words, who applies the true teaching in the right way. There's things I had to go back through and re-unlearn because I thought it was right. But when I got in there, I started letting the word interpret the word. This is the, this is the word of truth, but the spirit in you is called the spirit of truth. If you listen to him, he'll make you look like a genius. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, we all have a race to run. Why do we run the race? So we can obtain. But we've got to run this race, according to Hebrews 12, with patience, the race that is set before you and I. I can't run your lane. I can't put my hands on your plow. I cannot press towards your mark. I'll help you. I'll encourage you. I'll bear your burden. But you've got to get up and run. See, one thing I learned about life in airports is this. When I travel, sometimes I'll be walking with pilots and talking to them. It's really funny. Sometimes they'll go, oh, where are you heading to? I said, Durango. And they go, oh, really? Flight yawn, I told them. And it, it's my pilot. So I don't run to the gate like some mad, crazy person. Because the plane can't leave without the pilot. So I just walk with him. And I've, I've watched, I have, one time I watched the pilot one time. We was on a Delta flight and it was really running close. But the Lord spoke to me before I got, I was 50, 64 miles from the airport where I live in Denver. I live in Fort Collins, and, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to trust me today and not make haste. And I was running so last, all right, if I miss this plane, I miss this plane. My, my cousin was picking me up in Atlanta. He had my van. I drove a lot at that time. I was going to go over to Alabama the next morning and preach. Okay, I'm going to trust you. There comes a time in your life you've got to trust God with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Why? He knows your future better than you know your past. Got up there, everybody was running around doing this, and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I went through. I was the first one picked up, the last one dropped off. The, the shuttle guy to the airport said, well, i got to pull over and do all these credit cards. I said, no, you keep driving. Is it okay if I run your all's credit cards? I'm a minister. I'm not going to. No, I don't think I said that because they probably wouldn't have given me my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran credit cards. I had them sign it. I got it, did it. He goes, man, thanks. It saved like 20-some minutes. But I was the last one dropped off. Went through security, did everything, going down the escalator, looked over, and the guy had all these stripes with big gold leaf thing on. He said, popcorn, just sit there. I was on a big nonstop flight. I mean, it was going to be a nice flight. 
I said, I'm not going to make haste. If you tell me run, I'll run. I'll make new commercials, everything right now. I looked up and I said, um, where are you heading to today? He said, oh, I'm flying to Atlanta. I said, me too. I said, what time you leave? He said, I think 1 o'clock. I looked down at my ticket. And I said, yeah, I am too. He goes, oh, okay, good. I said, what airline are you on? He said, well, I'm a Delta senior pilot. I said, really? You're going to Delta at 1 o'clock to Atlanta, and you're the head pilot of the, yeah. He said, they can't take off until I get there. So <laughs> I said, uh, can I walk with you? He goes, yeah, you want some popcorn? I said, no, I got something more than popcorn, my friend. See, I would not allow myself to conform until I, I heard the voice. But a lot of people today hear a lot of voices. We saw people running to the gate. <laughs> then sometimes they turn around and come back, and you thought they dropped something. They was getting their kids and just dragging them to the airport. <laughs> Knee burns, elbow burns, crying. They're not crying because they're hurting. They got, they got raw places on their thing. I said, look at that. He goes, happens all the time. I went up to the gate. I said, thank you. He said, I'll see you on the on, on plane. I said, sir, thank you. He said, no problem. Went up, put my ticket down at that time, and the lady looked up at me and said, do you know how close you came from missing this plane? I said, I was with the pilot. He said, enjoy your flight. <laughs> see, when you hear the voice, you don't have to listen to the voices. Because I, I didn't allow myself to change from the voice. That's what the, There's a lot of voices in the earth. We've got to get, there's some things in life you can't Google, folks. I'm just telling you right now. There's some things you cannot listen to all the time on YouTube and get a video to fix your problems. You're going to have to get down on your knees and renew your mind to where you get to the place to where you listen to God. And if you look at Nahum the Syrian king, it's a great story. In 2 Kings 5, it was the first 15 verses. And he went up and they said, well, there's a prophet over here that will be able to do your, you know, all the leprosy and all this. He wouldn't even come out. He wouldn't even come out. He said, the servant came out and said, if he said, you go down and dip it seven, three times in the uh, Jordan and your skin will come flesh again. See, everybody wants their miracle the way they want it. The clay always wants to tell the potter how to do their life. He said, well, I thought he'd come out and do all this and say something to do with all this and this. Because he wanted to go over these two rivers that were a lot cleaner. I don't know about you, but if I had leprosy or shingles, I don't care how dirty it was. I was going to go down and dip seven times in the muddy Jordan, amen? But he wanted his miracle done his way. He's trying to conform God to fit his lifestyle instead of changing his lifestyle to fit God's word. And if some servant came and said, Master, if he would have just told you done some great mighty thing, you would have done it. All he told you to go is go down and dip. He humbled himself. He did. He came back. And he said, I want you to know your God is the true God. But verse 11 in that passage is the key to where everybody gets to where they go from being transformed with renewing their mind to where they become double-minded. It's two words. You know what threw him off? Look at verse 11. What's it say? I thought. God does not want your opinion. I can tell you that right now. He wants a relationship with you, but when it comes to his word, it's non-negotiable. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what is on your wall. He wants to know what's in your heart. If he did, he would have created man earlier than the sixth day. Some of y'all get that on the way home. 
The word conforming is easy to do. It requires literal no effort. Go with the flow. Oh, go with the crowd. Everybody else is doing it. I've had people ask me, well, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you do it? I said, no, I'll go buy a bunch of blankets, wait on the other side and charge them. <laughs> I did. It, it, go, it, listen, conformers are people who live their lives controlled by the pressure from the outside. But when you're transformed and changed, it says these are the people who are controlled by the power from within. Not from the outside in, it's the inside out. We always look for something, comfort food. That's not comfort food. You got to go to the gym after that. That's why it's called the treadmill. I mean, treadmill. <laughs> you ever notice if you go to the gym, you have walkers and talkers. If I see a talker, I go to the, I, I, I point. Let's go over here to the treadmill. Because I'm going to walk while they talk. Because I know their favorite machine is the vending machine. Amen. I don't know where it comes from. Transformers are lives controlled with the power within. It's difficult, requires much work, and watch this now, and a constant guard against falling back into the life of conformity. The Bible says in Matthew 5, can you put that up about, uh, I think it's Matthew 5, 13. Did Did I give that to you? It says, you are the salt of the earth. Look at this. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherein will it should be salted? It's good for nothing. It'll be cast out, trotted under the foot of men. So I started studying this a little bit, and I found out that word flavor means taste. It means also purpose, strength, and quantity. In other words, if you lose your flavor or savor, it means you become bland and dull and flat. When I share the gospel, I'm not sharing it because I'm trying to impress somebody. I'm sharing it because I want to make them so thirsty they can't go to bed. And realize they got purpose in their life instead of a resume they're adding to turn into God one day. God is wanting to do something in you that you can't do for yourself. So don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. Because God is the greater one. Every morning I woke up this morning, I woke up the morning before. A lot of times before my feet hit the floor, you know what I say? I say what Chief Travis said. I like that. I'll just be... What's that called when you have only one or two feathers? <laughs> I'll, I'll be the CIA, chief in training. No, CIT. All right, I got I to gotta hurry here. So what, what, how do you, here's the key. How, what is the process of renewing, the, what's the process of transforming? Being not conformed to transform. It's renewing your mind, but I want to go a little step further. It's also renewing your will. You got to act on what you believe. But when you meditate upon the word, this is the secret. When you meditate, it's the same as marinating a piece of meat. When you marinate something, it, what it does is it, it's a flavor enhancer and all this. But it says that it, it, it tenderizes the meat. It causes it, it enhances flavor. But when I was studying this, I found out that the Christian marination to be transformed in your thinking is meditation. When you meditate on something long enough, it'll drop into your heart as a seed into soil. Your heart is the soil. Your pastors can preach you the best message, bring in the best preachers, whoever they may be or whatever, do all this. But if you have soil that is not of the right condition to receive the word of God, it will fall on the wayside. It will fall in in the thing. It will get in the thorns. It will get whatever your heart is. It will not produce fruit. And I've seen so many people in their life end up blaming the church, blaming the pastor, and they go to the next church 
the same way they left the last church. The seed is incorruptible. All people are is postmen delivering the mail. They're the conduit, the jumper cables. But you've got to receive the word into your heart and prepare it. You've got to break up something in your life that God can put in there and cause it to grow. So let's read the expanded Bible, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg and appeal to you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. You must be only for God. That means holy and pleasing to him, which is your spiritual, true, and appropriate, rational way to worship him. Do not be changed or conformed to press into a mode by this world age. Instead, be, watch this now, within, transformed by a new way of thinking or changing the way you think. The renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to decide and test and know what God wants for you. His will, which is good and pleasing to him and is also perfect. But we look at what society says. Listen, I, I've not been to certain places you've been at. I can't relate to that. I've not been real high in a lot of areas either. But I, I get it. Some people are now retired and there's nothing wrong with it. They worked all their lives. They have a retirement for the first time in their life. They have no bills except what comes in every month. They can pay it and put it on automatic payment. They don't even think about it. Now they're sitting there doing all that and there's nothing wrong. But then you can take the single mom with three kids. One, it's in still in diapers, but two in t-ball or soccer or whatever it is. But she's got two kids on a Saturday morning that has two games that are an hour apart, but she only has one car and she's doing the best she can. So she finds the neighbor she can trust the most to take one of them to the later game so she can go watch the first one and take it and then come back in time so she can watch the second half of the other one. And she's trying to pay her bills online because she does doesn't know exactly how much money's left in the account so she can keep the lights on so she can figure out how to get money for food that night so she can get her kids to bed in time and all the time trying to get herself rested up so she can start the whole process over the next day and she enjoys doing it but it comes to a time in your life you wonder if you're going through life or you're living it. So it doesn't matter if you're the uttermost or the guttermost or if you're in a situation that's hopeless or you're in a place in your life where you really feel like you entered the promised land. It doesn't matter if you don't change the way you think. You're going to be conformed to the world and God is not going to be able to use you because you've lost your flavor or savor. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven with a lot of rewards, and they're not going to be preachers. They're going to be the grandmothers and the people that shovel it off the snow at 5.30 in the morning or the ones that go and does nothing. People say, well, I don't want to do something in church. Nobody knows what I'm doing. I said, why? I used to do it. That was the best opportunity because when you got promoted, you know it was only God Almighty that did it, and you didn't do it for a promotion. You did it as unto the Lord because if you want to be a leader, you got to learn to serve if you want authority look for responsibility but most of all you're not here
care for you. You've been bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself. And you only got one shot at this thing called life. And all you need to do is say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you gave me a manual for life, and I'm going to renew my mind even if I disagree with it, and then I'm going to act on what I believe, and I'm going to hold up my banner, and I'm going to hold up my light so high, I don't care if I go through hell, and it looks hopeless. But one thing I know is this, all other ground is nothing but sinking sand, but upon this solid rock I'm going to stand. You've got to get to the place where you quit making excuses. And most time, the excuse is just a reason with a lie of stuff in it. All right, praise the Lord. Don't make me come back there. Amen. I like preaching here. A.W. Tozer said there's a whole new generation of Christians that have come up believing that it's possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. He says you can be sure that the Holy Spirit will never enter a man and let him live like the world Listen, crisis does not make us what we are. It reveals who we are. Go over to 2 Timothy 2. Man, praise the Lord. Folks, you know, I was listening to a guy, on, uh, and he had one of the best things I've ever seen. And I may have shared it here, but he had like a 20-foot rope or 40-foot rope. It was white. And he walked over to the end of his stage and picked up the end of the rope, and two inches of it was red. He said, the red represents your life on the earth. Whether you live to be 80, 100, 120 years. Look it up. It's called the Rope Illustration by Francis Chan, C-H-A-N. He said, what you do in the red, and he went like this, affects the white for eternity. He said, 5,000 years from now, you'll look back and say, what did I do in the red? One th- question I try to ask myself is this. What am I going to, to do today to impact eternity? Or am I going to live according to this present age? I know you got jobs to do. I know you got things in the natural to do. But where a man's heart is, that's where his treasure is. There's times I laid on my bed and I said, God, did I even witness to anybody today? I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. I was in prayer one night praying for some things, and I said, Lord, this is just really hard. He said, but I need you to pray for these people. And I said, why? He said, because you don't want no one to go to hell. And the Lord began to show me. He says, a lot of people see my view on the cross, but very few see my view from the cross. He said, if I forgave people, you can forgive them. Remember, you're in the world, and they persecuted me. They'll persecute you. But always remember, the greater one lives inside of you. And every morning I wake up, I say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. How much more time do I got? I forgot. Oh, plenty? Praise the Lord. You heard it from the chief, folks. Look at verse 20, look at verse 20 and 21. I really think if him and I were on a deserted island and they rescued us, we would probably just say, leave a case of water. We've we got still things we're going to talk about. He, him and Brandy do, uh, Pastor Brandy actually give me a lot of CLs. You know what CLs are? Courtesy laughs. I tell some of the corniest jokes, but it's just so fun. Praise the Lord. You, I'll give you one right now. You understand. How do you deal with an emotional astronaut? You give him some space. 
See, courtesy laughs. Thank you all so much. I really appreciate that. I don't know if that was mercy or goodness that was following me right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Get ready. Your voice warmed up. Verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, and some honor and dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Now listen to what it says over here. It says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, of utensils of wood and earthenware, and some honorable and noble, and some are menial and uh, of use. It says some, so watch this, so whoever cleanses himself of these things that are not clean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating, corrupting influences, then he will be a vessel set apart and useful and ready for an honorable purpose that's consecrated and profitable to the master and fit for any good work. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a spectator. You know, that's why they're called spectators, and then there's got players, 80,000 people telling the guy that's about ready to get hit, that has 1.9 seconds to back up, throw the ball perfectly between the zone, and hit a guy in stride running for the end zone. And they're spilling their beer all over them, and they can't even hold the beer thing. Are you all hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we're trying to figure out how God's going to do our miracle. We're always telling God, well, God, you know what? No, it doesn't work that way. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be honest. He already knows your heart. But he's saying, listen, I don't need your opinion. I already can do above and beyond what you can ever dare ask or think, beyond your highest prayers, thoughts, hopes, dreams. How can two walk together unless they agree? How do you do that? You renew your mind and then act on the information your mind's been renewed to. Let's go over here real quick. I want to I try to wrap some of this up. Daniel chapter 3, we know verses 14 through 28. We know, in ver, uh, we know that the, there was three Hebrew young men. I'm going to give you a couple examples, and then we're going to go into Charles Finney and wrap this thing up. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. If you remember, they said they flute, the harps, and all this thing, and he, they wouldn't bow. So they came up to him. Now, when you stand up against the devil, how many knows he does not have the fruit of the Spirit? He loses his mind. Now, he, he's a very cunning, but he has no patience. Now, watch what he did. They wouldn't bow, so the king just went furious because everybody else was bowing except for these three. Verse 18, if you notice the first two or three words, it says, um, one says, even if he, if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. And they were trying, to, so the king tried to get them to answer his appeal, and this is what he said. They said in verse 16, we do not need to defend ourselves to you. <laughs> I love this. Boy, it's just like provoking a snake. It is not necessary for us to answer you on this point. Or in other words, we are not to, in a need to answer to give you to concerning this. Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Well, he got so mad that he turned the furnace up seven times. Well, you're just you're cremating people now as it is. Then he loses his mind. He goes and gets his best mighty men, brings them over, and they get burned up before they even get to the furnace. You ever thought about that? So who took them in? They walked in themselves, I believe, and they went in the midst. He said, did we not throw three in? Is there not a fourth in there? Now, I'm going to show you this. When you stand up and you don't compromise and won't go to the conformity of this world, and you're standing, listen, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Don't compromise. Watch what happens. Verse 20, the king threw them in. Six verses later, might not even been six minutes. The king changed his mind and told him to come out. 
Two verses later, eight after he threw them in, it says the king glorified their God. What about the apostle Paul? We know that Apostle Paul in different situations, Philippians 3.8, he said, I count all things to be lost in the view of surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There was different things that the Apostle Paul did. One of my favorites is this one. Listen to this. One of my favorites is the one with the issue of blood. I believe this is where a lot of people are today. She had suffered many things but rather grew worse. She spent all she had. She was barren. She couldn't have children. She was not allowed to go in society. She was not allowed to do anything spiritual because she was unclean. There was five areas, and when I was reading this, I wrote them down. Spiritually, physically, socially, financially, and maternally. In other words, she had the wrong image. She had peer pressure, economic status, and political correctness, and all these other different things coming against her. But one day she heard of Jesus, and her mind got renewed. What did she hear? She probably heard he was healing the sick. The lame was walking. Like blind Bartimaeus, he cried out all the more. He stood up. You ever thought about it? A blind man getting hit and not seeing the punches coming. But he kept hearing about this man named Jesus. This woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It said that, that when you look at that phrase, she kept saying it and never shut up. She got up probably for the first time after 12 years. She was so weak because she was losing blood constantly. She had no other money left she was about ready to take her chance with the religious leaders because she was unclean and political correctness because she's a woman that had an issue of blood she was out she couldn't even have children she got up and she said if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I can see her going through a crowd right now, and the more she said it, the more strength came into her mind. She renewed her mind. She said, I'm not going to sit here like the leopards and die anymore. I got up, and she said, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to bother you and be rude, but if I could touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Excuse me, I don't, I know that's rude, but I have somebody I have to touch. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I believe she got louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden, how many knows when Jesus stops, the whole parade stops? Jesus turned and said, who touched me? She knowing what was done in her body. Jesus turned and said, your faith has made you whole. Now, Peter went, well, Lord, come on. You see everybody touching you. You say, who touched me? See, it's the conformity of the mind. But when you get the revelation, it doesn't matter what's around you and what's dictating things to you. I'm telling you, we're living in a time now, folks. Don't sit back and wait for somebody else to do something. You stand up and learn to say no. You do this. God's going to get, a lot of people fall back into this little safety area in a closet. You can lock the gate and get back in, in our little community of our minds and say, well, I'm just using wisdom. I understand that. But there comes a time where you got to face the devil and say, listen, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, nothing will separate me from the love of God. And I'm not coming in the power of my might. I'm coming in the power of his might. I'm telling you right now, through Christ which strengthens me, I can do all things. I'm the head and not the tail. And I'm blessed in my coming. And I'm blessed in my going. You might be a thermometer, but I'm the thermostat because the greater one lives inside of me. And I'm telling you right now, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. And who is joined with God and he abides in me and I abide in him. We are the same. So I don't come in, the, in my name. I come in the power of his name. And I'm going to run at my giant, but I'm not going to have my mouth shut. 
Why? Because my mind's been renewed and I have a revelation of the impartation and I'm about ready to let God do some demonstrations and manifestations. You got to draw the line in the sand and say, no, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, everybody else is doing it. All this and this and this. No, 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 no. God will give you what you need to do with your children, your family and all this. But for me and my house, I am not going to let that. Oh, praise God. God, I am not going to let the enemy have a seat at my table, and I am not going to be put on trial in my own house or neighborhood. I don't have to go out and be a spectacle and all this. I've just learned to say no without feeling guilty about it. What do you mean no? Well, it's under the letter in the dictionary. Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked flee when no man pursue him, but the uncomplimenting righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, this brings me to my point here. Can you put up Luke 8 real quick, 11 through 15? I hope you're all getting something out of this. I'm doing the same thing I did yesterday. I was preaching like a fat man at a barbed wire fence. I had a lot of points, amen? You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to thank God for two people when I go up there. I want to shake whoever made post-its and white out. I was so far behind technology, I... My family used to get mad every morning. they get up before I would, and they, Dad, you can't keep putting white out on the computer screen. <laughs> I don't know. When I went to bed, it looked good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not bowing before you, but I will. <laughs> okay, look at Luke 8. Now, uh, okay, I tell you what. Don't just put that one up. Put that diagram up. I want to show you something really interesting. Can you put up this? I did this. I highlighted this. I, I'm, I'm not real high tech on all this stuff, but it does make sense. And if it gets the point across, I don't know. Can you put that one up, please? Oh, it is. It's not there. Okay. Now, watch this. I want you to see this. This is what the story of the parable means. The seed is the what? Word. The seed is the word. Now, I want you to notice everything in pink or red. Seed that fell, look at verse 13. Seed that fell, 14. Seed that fell, look at verse 15. Seed that fell. Y'all getting on to this now? The seed that fell. Now watch this. That means when you come to church, people say, well, I can just watch it on YouTube while I'm cooking or watch, watch it online. I'm not against that. Some people can't get out, and it's the best thing you can do. But there's nothing like being in person. How many knows going to a Cowboys game in person is a lot better than sitting around with 10 people talking and you can't hear the announcers? Amen? If you're not Cowboys fans, then forgive me. Now look at number one. It fell on the footpath. Number two, the rock. Look at number three, thorny weeds. Look at number four, the good ground. Now watch this. What does it say in verse 12? It said, seed that fell and what? Hear God's teaching. How does faith come? Hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. Now look at verse 13. Seed that fell, hear God's teaching. Verse 14. Seed that fell, hear God's teaching. Look at verse 15. Seed that fell, hear God's teaching. What was the difference? Verse 15. What did it say? It said, it fell on good, honest hearts that obey and cling to and hold to the word and with a patient perseverance bring forth fruit. 
Everybody hears the word. You say, well, I heard that before. That doesn't mean a thing if your mind's not been renewed to it and you're changing your decisions because your decision determines your direction, but your direction actually, actually set, uh, 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 establishes your destiny. Now, here's my point is this. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. Did you know there's only one type of seed mentioned up there? Only one. There's four diversity of uh, grounds or soils. If you have unforgiveness and bitterness, you have tradition or religion, or you're stubborn, well, my just runs in my family. No, it doesn't. When I got born again April 28, 1974, I went from one bloodline into another bloodline. All I had to do was renew my mind because what was inside of me has been changed. Now I got to change it from the thinking, get it in my heart, get it in my mouth, I'll have it in my life. But you got to do it with perseverance and patience. It's not a merit badge you hold on your Holy Ghost sash. When you get done with the series of John, you don't sew it up there and say, look, I was there, I already know it. Look, got the merit badge. That doesn't mean it's in your heart. Some of you graduated from college 40 years ago, and you still got the diploma on your wall, but nothing's in your heart that applies to that. All right, let's just move on. I know some of you Each individual must change the soil in their heart. In other words, mindset, beliefs, traditions, culture, environment, whatever you're doing. So you can receive the word. Not ch you cannot change the seed. It's the word of God. It was here before you will be here after you. Heaven and earth will pass away. You've got to be acceptable to the soil. The word, you've got to have an acceptable soil condition to receive the word. I don't care where you go to church or who you listen to or what book or Bible study or even concordance or whatever you buy. If you don't break up the fallow ground, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm not mad. I just don't have lips to smile. Amen. <laughs> go to Hosea 10, 12. Pastor Brandy, these are great jokes. Your mom did the notes for me. Okay, Hebrews 10, 12. Are you ready? Wrapping this thing up. We got to get done so the other people can come in and all the other kids can go out and we'll get this done. Hosea 10, 12. Break up your fallow ground or uncultivated ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and reigns righteousness. What's that mean? Deliverance. Come on, say amen with me. Deliverance, justice, and his saving power. I don't know if we need these three things more than ever now, but we got to seek the Lord until, until he comes and reigns righteousness upon us. Because what? Charles Finney said this. I'm going to read it because... I tried to condense it, but I'm just going to shortchange it. Listen to this. Only got a couple more minutes. Fallow ground is ground which had been once been tilled, but which is now lies waste and needs to be broken up or mellowed out. I looked the word mellowed out. It means softened or smooth before it's ready to, quote, receive the grain. To break up fallow ground is to break up your heart. Prepare your minds to bring forth fruit unto God. The mind of the man is often compared to the ground in the Bible. The word of God is the seed sown there. The fruit representing the actions and the emotions of those who receive it. To break up the fallow ground, therefore, is to bring the mind into such a state that it is fitted to receive the word of God. Sometimes your hearts get melted down hard and dry until there's no such thing as getting fruit from there until they are broken up and mellowed and softened and smoothed out to fit the word it is the softening of the heart so as to make it feel uh, feel the truth which the prophet calls breaking up fallow ground now I want to close with this 
I want to ask you this question again. What have you done today or what are you going to do today with your mind renewed to impact eternity? Don't look at your situation, whether you're a housewife with two or three kids and you're trying to figure out how to do the bills and get both kids and all that and thank the neighbor and do this and get back. It, I, I know it's like herding cats sometimes. I don't pretend. I, I don't know how some, some people do all this. But there are some people that have everything in the world. They're content and they've worked hard for it. I'm not against that either. My dad worked hard. But what are you going to do every day to impact eternity? People retire and they die within 10 years. Why? They have no purpose. They, they're not even around the friend, you know. But I'm telling you, if you get in here, God will rise up while you were born. He will restore the years that the locust has eaten. He'll do something in you that you can't do for yourself. I want to finish with this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Message Bible. This is what it says exactly. He said, so here what, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your emotions and attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants for you and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you, always dragging you down to a level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, which is a developed, well-formed maturity in you. I can tell you come up here and stand, and we can pray for you and do all that. But I'm just going to be flat-out honest with you. That's just putting a Band-Aid on it. Because this is something you're going to have to do every day of your life when you wake up. This is the day the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.